Welcome to the first episode to explore and expand your connection with your inner voice, your soul. I'm Gil Rowland and I'm Soul Dancer, your co-host for a journey that we seek to take together. In our first episode, we created a three-part podcast to introduce ourselves as well as what we have scheduled for phase one, a starter set of topics and tools. In a moment, so will help us explore my story, spending 40 years of learning and growing more awake and aware. <laughs> and after Gil's time in the <clears throat> hot seat, I'm going to take my turn in the spotlight. Now, I'm going to give you a heads up, plot spoiler. While my story may lack some of the nitty gritty details Gil's going to be offering up shortly, know this. In each podcast, you'll learn more details about me. Want to really get to know me? Ah, great. Feel free to listen to hundreds of on-demand classes at bit.ly forward slash pay radio. All right, so take it away. This is our very first Our Soul Talk. Gil, what the hell is going on? I don't know, man. It is, what, five o'clock in the morning for us Ah. at this point? I don't even have the curlers out of my hair yet. Jesus. <laughs> I don't know about this. This is... We're going to have to think about this start time. I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen of the jury, what you're hearing are two people with a collective 90 years of experience. You make me sound so old. <laughs> 90 years of experience. I started my spiritual journey consciously. And we'll get into that as time goes on. But consciously, at age 11, we're going to introduce ourselves by just having a conversation. I'm going to interview Gil. So instead of having the blah, 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 hi, my name is Saul Dancer, and I have a master's degree in <laughs> which you're not going to listen to, we're going to interview each other. So, Gil, if you want to rewind the Rolodex... Now, that's dating me right there. Who, yeah, I, many of the listeners, what the fuck is a Rolodex? Rolodex, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> huh? How about we go back through our photo library? That, okay, let's go back through our photo. <laughs> let's go back through our timeline. Right. <laughs> yes. Scroll back. Folks, I've known Gil for a little over a year now, and one of the things that has continued to open my eyes is how different your childhood is compared to most other children. You were raised in a family, first off, as I get to know you, that that ain't no typical family you were raised in. I don't know what a typical family is growing up, because obviously when you're in the middle of what I was in, it was norm. I grew up born in the 70s. I literally was raised in consciousness. I was raised with a father who was already as an astrologer, could read tarot, knew and understood numerology. So right from the jump, he had a beat on me, couldn't understand my chart, where I was going. Both my parents together parented me with that in mind and being very cognizant of everything that went along with it. So all challenges, resistances, I would say good, bad, pluses, minuses that you can have were always done under this umbrella of, well, you created it, or what did you get from that? Or everything was always a lesson, but it was always with the understanding that you are the king here. You are the one in charge of everything. You have the God within you to cultivate whatever you wanted. From that aspect and that point on, I thought, well, 
I have that. Everyone else should have it. And man, you want to talk about having a whole different perspective from other people based on that? I'll just put it to you like this. I can make my own TV show based on where I came from with what <laughs> the stuff was and how that came along. So, yeah. And in the first year's episodes, is Gil getting the shit beat out of him or him beating the shit out of other people because they just don't understand or whatever. I mean, it's... <laughs> I say it's different childhood because what I'm hearing you talk about, a father into astrology? Absolutely. Doesn't that set you apart from the bell curve a little bit there? Coming up, I just thought that was the norm. Around 9, 10-ish, one of these things doesn't belong here. <laughs> the, Duh. But when you're in it, you don't realize it. It's that just, you're not, yeah, that yeah. this isn't, got that. Okay, so, but when you started going to school, and you started getting, quote, friends. <laughs> Didn't that, quote, norm get jostled about a bit? One, the, what friends? And secondly... Oh, okay. And secondly, no, it became a method and a mode of, we need to put him in his place. Mm. Who does he think he really is compared to us? Mm -hmm. And I was saying, well, who the hell do you think you are compared to me? And the two Twix never met in the middle. Mm -hmm. And it was basically the movie 300 every day in school for me. <laughs> they would try to do their best to put me down or put me underfoot. I would do my best to tell them to go what they can do with themselves and all of the ish that they kept bringing to me. The immortal words always came out, outside, mm -hmm. three o'clock. Mm -hmm. All right. Until one pivotal day, your parents began to realize this, this isn't going to work. They pulled you out of, quote, normie school. <laughs> That's the best way to put it, yeah. I was given a psychological evaluation. I knew you were crazy. See, listeners, <laughs> now we know. He's fessing up. Totally, totally. They wanted to know why I was getting in so many fights, why I couldn't toe the line, what was wrong with me, why was I, me alone, this little boy, causing such a disruption and a disservice to make these little boys come out of where they were that pummel me to death. What was going on with me? So, with that said, they decided to do a entire psychological evaluation done by the taxpayers of the Board of Education in Chicago. Yay! And what they found out was, oh, well, he isn't like other boys, but what we're going to do is we're going to put him on a short bus <laughs> with the other mentally challenged people and we'll just keep him filed away from that. That'll separate him from everyone else. My father took umbrage with that and I'm being very... Cordial. Diplomatic Dipl with that, yeah. yes. Okay. This is PG so far. Right. Okay. So what wound up happening from there was, no, we're going to get our own psychological evaluation test. And to that end, they gave me to another doctor, had me see other specialists outside from what the Board of Ed wanted, and I was assigned a social worker from the doctors, which was probably the first time an adult other than my parents actually understood where I was coming from. Oh. And... Do you remember what it was like meeting that social worker? Oh, it was like meeting an angel. That's oh. the best way I can put it. All of the adults from that point, it was always, hmm, who's this kid? Who's this idiot? They always had this 
to some degree, wasn't your mom a little bit like that? As yeah. I, folks, you're getting a little bit of background because right. I got a little background before I get into this background. So your mom had already had a side eye on you already. Right, because of where she was coming from. She grew up a certain way, and she thought that you should toe the line. You know, you don't ruffle feathers. A child should be silent, not noisy. And, you know, uh, yeah. so when my father came with this other means and method of being, yeah, it threw her back. Why is he getting away with murder? Why are you letting him do this? As she read it. What the social worker did was she really understood where I was coming from. Understanding that, no, there's nothing wrong with him at all. And the way she explained it to my mom, what you've always felt was arrogance. It's not arrogance. It's confidence. It's, uh, it's self-love oh, in, yeah. in its purest form. Well, he goes around banging on a drum singing, I am so great. What is that? I'm like, because he believes he is. And there's nothing wrong with that. You're interpreting it as he's greater than you. He's not saying that. He's exerting his, I am great. I create whatever I want. At the same time, your mom is afraid that you're going to get your ass kicked all the time. Oh, Because yes. you are great. Yes. Which... She's trying to actually protect you by dumbing you down. In her vernacular, yes. Right. The way that she would say it, absolutely. I took umbrage with it as you're holding me back. Right. And the social worker said... Like that's going to happen. Right. So this, <laughs> <laughs> you you had me. You knew. You saw the chart, right? You read it. <laughs> you, you, you know what I'm already built from, so good luck on that. So what they finally decided was I needed to be taken out of that school and I needed to be put into art school because that was where my, basically, my prognosis of everything and all my talents would be cultivated, encouraged, and blossomed from. Whereas a regular school that I was in, they didn't know anything about it because regular... Oh, they're not equipped for it. No, absolutely not. They were not the Henry Ford student. No, memorization was the key of the day. And I kept asking, why do I need to memorize any of it? That was a problem right there. Right. So I was given a full-ride scholarship to the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. I already had a propensity for drawing and music and all of the rest. So all of the classes I took had that bent already in there. Understanding music. Heaven. Oh, yeah. I'm in heaven. Absolutely. At this point, I was off to the races. Everything that I had been taught and raised on, now it all made sense. Seeing music as colors, understanding the meaning behind numbers, and all of the stuff that comes along with being a creator. So I went there all the way from, uh, say, eight years old till about 14. And during the mode of that, I knew... I had to graduate, obviously. Went to high school, but even the high school I went to was an alternative high school. I wasn't going to a regular high school. The high school I went to was for performing arts and artists. So even at that point, I was still in mode of art. And also at the same time, it happened. Still no friends, though? Uh, well, they were coming. That year, that's when I finally first met my first group of friends. Ah, uh, okay. And the first thing I said, we need to form a band. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. And they were like, form a band. I'm like, yes, form a band. Now, at what age? I was 13. 13 forming a band. Correct. Okay. I'm... Oh, people, we've got a lot of work to do here. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Cognizant of where I'm coming from, that music was the key to all. And I figured, well, I'm in this place and I can cultivate and create what I want. Why not make a band? Now, why not formulate something? Now, at the same time, also learning all about this stuff, I was also learning to be an entrepreneur because the Art Institute taught you that. If you are going to create art and you're going to sell it, then you need to understand, have a business acumen of it. 
when I met my friends, I was telling them pretty much what I had learned. We could make money off this. Really? Really? Why not? And I was the spark that had to convince all of them, them, their parents, everybody. This can actually work. This is doable. This is doable. Again, folks, you got to remember, give us the background. You're in Chicago. Yes. At 13, creating a band. I didn't care. I'm trying to give you enough of a background, of Gil's background, so that you understand the depth and breadth of the 30 to 5 to 40 years of experience that Gil brings to the table. Remember, we started this podcast 90 years, folks. <laughs> I'm 10 years older than this little young whippersnapper. <laughs> so, okay, here you are. You're in high school. You're convincing your peers. You're convincing their parents. You're going to throw a band together. My mode of thinking was, well... None of the other guys could really play instruments. They were all still learning. I'm like, well, the best way to learn is to do what we perform. Play. Yeah, yep. perform it. Mm -hmm. So what are we performing? Let's perform the stuff that we like. Oh, okay. So I started off on bass. The other one, everybody went toward what they wanted to go toward. They Why went. bass? Because to me, the bass controls the whole band. Uh, see, see, folks, we now know we got a control freak. Okay, just getting it out in, there, in, getting in it out there. In musical terms, the bass player controls the flow of the song. Uh -huh. Nobody can change a chord until the bass player um, changes the root note. <laughs> <laughs> Music Theory 101. Just, did you take notes there, ladies and gentlemen? See? All right, go ahead. And it's, it's a subliminal thing that it's all about groove. All songs are about groove. Who controls the groove? The drummer sets the foundation, but it's the bass player that's the bridge. It's always going to be the bass. Okay. So once we started, this is now early 83, we started to learn about five songs. This is after now, mind you, convincing parents to go get instruments, come out of pocket. The parents basically were sold on the fact that, well, it gives them something to do and it keeps them out the street. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where they were coming from. Right. To me, it was like, <laughs> my world domination plan. Exactly. It begins. Exactly. Now we, we, <laughs> we, they don't know what's about to hit them. So I was the more cognizant of it because I had my dad who we went to Guitar Center. We bought literally a broken synthesizer. He opened it up, fixed it. Now I had a really good synthesizer, had already had the bass. Understand what my dad is. He was an architectural engineer. So he ah. was always about mechanics. Something. This was fun. Yeah, this was great for him. We used to go, when I was a kid, we would fix bicycles together. Take old warm bikes, put new tires on them, new brake handles to hold bit and sell them. Uh -huh. So this was just par for the course, except now we get to keep the stuff. So I was coming in, hey, listen to this chord. Listen to that. Does this sound like this song? Well, we could do that. And then listen to the drummer. Here's a record. Play what you hear. We learned bass and all of the rest of it. So about, oh... Eight, nine months, we felt that we were ready. Now, at this point, this is the summer of 84. Purple rain time, 84, MTV generation, so everything is now going full steam. Mind you, while all of this is going on, I am still in the throes of understanding and learning tarot and numerology and all of the rest of it. Losing your virginity. Losing virginity. Basically uh -huh. being a all-American heterosexual male. Mm. And so, yeah. Horny teen. Horny teen alert. Got it. Okay. Absolutely. What better place to experience all of this stuff than in a band? 
we made a demo tape, just a regular old General Electric press record. <laughs> Everybody playing all at the same time, all of the five songs that we learned. And we went to this one place and we met the owner. The owner thought that, oh, this is so cute. Pat He's such it. a good boy band. Right. I'm like, no, I'm serious as a heart attack. Play it. And he was shocked. And he all of a sudden had a really good idea. His idea was he was going to make a juice bar. A place where teenagers can go, but instead of serving alcohol, you serve juice. Ah. He wanted to make a teen club. Okay. And he thought, what better way to attract teens to club but to have a teen band? Mm -hmm. And he saw in us that we can be said band. Ooh, so Sneaky Spirit was already at work here. Okay. Right. So to me, it was just like, well, we're our band. He decided to give us an audition. We auditioned. He's like, well, you're a little rough around the edges, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Let's work on that, and I'll give you a spot Saturday night. Let's see what happens from that. I ran back to the guys, told everybody what was going on. Everybody all of a sudden started palpitating because, oh, my God, oh, my God. It's for real now. It's, it's for realsies. I thought that we were just playing around. Right. Because to that point, everybody thought, eh, it was it's a nice hobby. Keeps them off the street, right. blah, but blah, blah. then when I did what I did, because nobody else was around me, and I went on my own to do it, and I told them what happened. Now everybody was getting a little pensive. I was like, sage all fears. We have this. It's already done. It's already in flow. So early on, you became cognizant of the resistance people have against their potential. Always. I've been that way since I can remember. Even when I was in sixth grade with all of those kids coming up to me, wanting to fight and all of that. I understood even then resistance. Why else would they want to fight me? Got I'm it. great. You got to look at it from my perspective. I am all in everything. I can create on all. Why can't you? Why do you fight it? Why do you think you're so low? Right. You know, and it was all ego coming back at me. It so the first day, was it paid? Were you, did you guys strike a pay? Oh yeah, it was paid all right. But Whoa, it wasn't. Oh, look at you. But it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. We got ah. paid, but it wasn't like the riches I was imagining. No, it was like 50 bucks. And I was like, uh, no, we can't do this this way. I renegotiated and I was serious. I'm like, we can't do anything with $50. Right. We can't even get on the... This is not even allowance. Yeah, we can't even put gas money in the car for all of us to pull all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you think it should be? 500 <laughs> nah. Oh, Gil, really? 500 I'm coming from an entrepreneurial Right, ship. make it real. So what I told him was, look, I understood just from listening to you at the door how much you brung in on your take. I understood the take that you brung in were at least in the five digits just for that night. For me to say $500 is basically me asking you for a five spot. You just don't want to come up with this five spot. Ooh, look at you. And I literally just turned 14 at this point. Look at you. And I was saying, at the very least, you could give us 100 each for our time and effort. It doesn't cost you anything. And look at how much you're making. That's a return on your investment more than 10 times over. Mm -hmm. He was very impressed by me being sharp. He thought savvy. That, yeah. You're being savvy at he a thought very that was, young age. Exactly. He thought, just like you're saying, oh, it's not those little black right. kid yep. from the South mm -hmm. Side. I'm just going to take him for what, a ride. No, I knew what I was talking Which about. the music industry has never done to black singers at all. Oh, ever. never. And ever. That's not even a tradition. What you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> That's another podcast. Just sprinkling it in anyway. Yeah, exactly. So 
he did it not just because it sounded good, but also because of the cheek that I brought to it. Because all of a sudden I was experiencing, I'm, thank you for allowing us to do this. Now I want to be paid for it. Right. And when we agreed on that, everybody was shocked. You don't give a 14-year-old kid $100. It's not in the formula. Right. Plus, on top of it all, having accolades come your way that you didn't suspect would ever come to your way. You hope for it. You wish for it. It's one of those wet dreams that you have when you're asleep at night at one mm -hmm. in the morning. Mm -hmm. But for it to become that esoteric, become factual and actual, it changes you to a point. Go back there. It's the night where you finished your first official gig. What do you remember? <laughs> I remember falling off stage. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, physically falling off stage. Yeah. The reason why, I was already in flow. I was zooming. The girls were at the stage because they were screaming because we were playing all of the hits, right? We were playing the AHA and the Duran and all of the stuff that was popular at the time. And there were these two blonde girls right in front of me and we were going into slow song i was like <laughs> uh, uh, i was gonna step up to him just like hello but i didn't realize where the stage ended <laughs> and where where it in was the middle of a song in the middle of a song so i'm playing and grooving next thing you know <laughs> feedback <laughs> all of the rest of it is there i literally was like this is the end. <laughs> I will never play again. That's right. It's over before it began. Thankfully, we only had two songs after that. But for the rest of that set, I played behind the drummer. Because I was just like, uh, I'm not even going anywhere <laughs> close to the stage. Well, the band played on. Yeah. I mean, you did it. Well, that I didn't know. You got to finish the set. But what came of it was they were like, oh, Gil, are you okay? Is every They were that concerned. I was like... Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, good oh, God. Oh, my arm. Oh, the I Academy my... Award goes to... I broke my pinky finger. Uh, I'll never play again yeah, the yeah, same. Yeah, you oh. broke something all right. <laughs> you come from that and you finally have that realization that your first thought. And you're holding a C note. I can't believe it. have to believe it. It's there. It's for real. Right. You're yeah. looking at a Franklin in your hand at age 14 for two hours worth of work? Yeah. Easily. Okay. And now, if you were back then, that would have been a full day's pay. Absolutely. Yeah. $100 now probably be about what? 400 easy? Something like that. That's gross. Not net, ladies and gentlemen. Right. Exactly. Now, at the time, what I did not realize, I thought that we all had did this. All of us as a collective had put all pooled our resources and did it. What I found out later was my ability and culpability to create overcompensated for all of that which created what it did because had that had been all of us there wouldn't have been a i couldn't believe it moment it would have been a of course it would have just already did it because the way that i was taught to create was to already be in the moment of existence of it being to know that it is there and the universe now has to catch up with what your intent is and how you are feeling about it so where i already envisioned us playing and the girls screaming and getting all of the accolades and money and everything. The other guys were just in, well, I'm not sure, man. We'll try it. That it gets us out the house. It was that energy. So that energy versus mine, I kind of bulldozed. You created a rubber band where it eventually broke then. So I'm assuming, what was the life of the band? How long? I would say three years. Three-year run? That's not too bad. Right. That three-year run became 
a thing of me realizing, oh, we aren't on the same page here. Mm -hmm. Where I was just thinking, well, just like I said, our intent was at the very beginning to use the songs as a way and a means and a mode to get skills under our belt to create our own stuff. They just saw it as this is a way to get money in girls. Again, a point of reference as we get to know Gil Rowland. At age 14, you're already 20s, 20, 25, 30. You're already in the business acumen. This is for real. This is not a hobby. Yeah, you probably had a little bit of where your dick ruled your head a little bit as oh, a teenager. Of course. But of course, but that was never the main. That was more icing. Your bandmates, it was more with their dicks ruling their heads. And as long as they got a little beside, they're happy. It was the end-all, be-all of all existence. Got it. And narrowing wide the issue. Because at a certain point, I found myself distancing myself from them. Mm -hmm. Because why don't you want to go to this party? Why don't you want to do that? Why, this girl is really into you. Why don't you want to go out with her? Well, there's nothing there. It's just all physical. There's nothing to talk about. <laughs> oh, you became an anomaly. What and do you mean? It's just nothing but physical. What the hell? Why are we doing this? Right, exactly. This is hitting and quitting time for us. This is the end all be all of all existence. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is part of something way bigger. But if you guys want to do that, then more power to you. So it had to hurt you. Oh. To come to that realization. It had to hurt you. I was devastated. Yeah, I bet. Because you had a vision. Did you try to convey this vision or you said it, but they just couldn't get it? I believe when we first got together and we talked about it, we were all on the same page. That's what was my understanding at that time. In hindsight, what I got was people placating me. Yep. They just nodded sure their guilt. head. Sure, Gil. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Do you understand? Of course I understand. And I took them saying, of course I understood. For real. They understood. And what? they didn't. And I didn't have any wherewithal experience or reference because when you grow up where I grew up, the way that I did, when my father said that I understand and I said I understood, you best to mean what you say. Right. Say what you mean, mean what you say. Right. So I took that for everybody going forward. Oh, classic air number one. Okay. okay. We'll get into that later too, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Anyway. Exactly. What wound up happening was they got more into drinking and drugging. Uh, I already knew going into that where that leads to. Right. I mean, we I had more than enough examples to, to ascertain mm -hmm. that. And it was just someplace, I, I'm not going to be part of this. Now, mind you, they wanted the party to keep going. I was the main person who put the songs together for the week, doing the playlist and all. They had learned a little bit of it based on their instruments, but I was the one that... You were the, the conductor. Yeah, I went to the music store, found out the chords, listened to America's Top 40, find out what's going to be the hits and going and so on and so forth. So when I left, they tried to get along without me, but at that point, they were just too They warm. didn't have the skills. Or worse, the want. They had the girlfriends and they thought that should have been enough. Then they became, I was a member of, mm. or I was doing this, but I still want this. So now, go back to that moment when you had that, surgical realization it's done way before it was done i bet oh big time this was probably the, at the end of 85 around christmas time ouch what better time and we were at a christmas party no less i have a propensity for eggnog okay. yeah. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen he's being very modest by the way <laughs> i've gone through the holiday season the garbage trucks still haven't hauled all <laughs> of the eggnog cartons away okay i digress 
So at this particular party, they spiked the eggnog with vodka, as kids are opt to do, especially a 15-year-old. Think of any classic John Hughes teen movie of the 80s. You, you can get the gist of it. Okay. Picture. So while I was there, all of a sudden I started seeing my bandmates acting a little bit more brutish. Mm. That's the best way I can put it. Mm -hmm. And treating people a certain way. And the energy that was coming off was very... I just... You didn't want to be associated with that. No, not at all. Not a bit. Think of Caligula. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you fight? Why didn't you say, look, either get your shit together, blah, blah, blah. I did. You I, did. That, that was the final straw at that point. Ah. I have been saying that. But ah. at that point, the hedonism was so great and ah. so beyond. All right. They were so marred, and this is the best way I can put it, in ego. I couldn't get through to them. They were like, oh, you think you're better than me? I'm the lead singer here. They, I'm the one that they look at. Who do, if they don't look at you, you're just the fucking bass player, Gil. <laughs> so, you, so you can do whatever you want. I know they're going to come to me because I'm the I'm the front face. Uh-huh. Okay. I agree. Broke my heart in two. I bet. Ouch. I was even telling them I had to remind you guys of how great you are. Now I feel like it's being thrown in my face that I'm less than you. Mm-hmm. Okay, I will take my less than you self away, your highness. And I wish you and I bid you farewell. Now, this was 86. And that was, I would consider, one of the most pivotal points in my life. And as with all things that usually happen at 16 with a boy, it was because of a girl. Mm, okay, now we're getting into the Harlequin section of the interview. At this point in my life, now I had fully embraced Tarot, but I was also now going into more... Like, now, when you say fully embraced Tarot, back up. Okay. What do you mean by that? Well, I always knew about it. I always had a reading by it. Your father taught you how to read? It was all topical. Like, the Tower card means this. The Fool card is the beginning. You had the data, but not the wisdom. I, exactly. All right. So, as I was learning the wisdom, really now deep diving into it, I was also learning about this other thing called magic. M Spell it. M-A-G-I-C-K. Not pulling a rabbit out of your head. But mm -hmm. the real deal, holy film. Mysticism. Stuff. Mysticism, exactly. The ancient way. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're starting into the one woo. We're going to get into the <laughs> woo, 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 little eventually. We're at the one, the one woo, woo right now. <laughs> exactly. I was 15 at the time, and it was literally I had started learning about mysticism. I got a couple of books on Tarot, but I got one book on Tantra. Understanding sex magic and finding really... Oh, so the stuff that I was taught, I knew it only as calling it. That's the way it was presented to me. You called it forth, it became what it is. That's how you work. You just set your intention, you put yourself in the moment, and then you release it. And then let the universe catch up with you. Always in the existence of the now. Stay in your center. These were like my tent poles of my existence at that point. Tantra show, you can increase that by a thousandfold if you embrace the energy of it, if you know what you are doing. But in order to do that, you have to do X, Y, and Z. Oh, you don't say, as Gil's flipping through this. <laughs> <laughs> Note to self. <clears throat> so, but what I got caught on was you can increase it by double if you have a partner. Ah. Now, the partner part was where I was already in the division with the, my other bandmates. And 
partner to me meant literally somebody who was on the same wavelength. So I'm still me now. All right, if these guys are gone, here's now a method and mythology that is now telling me that I can find somebody else who is literally on the same wavelength and I can do even more greater, grander things. Mm -hmm. Enter said partner. First girlfriend. First. Official girlfriend. Official everything, I would say. How many movies have been written about the first love? Okay, we're getting into the first love. All the, right. The first, yeah. And the thing is, the way that she came across was she was a fledgling model at the time. She was about to go to work for Elite. And she had came to see the show. Loved the show. She came with some of her friends. Everybody in my band just went, Oof. All of a sudden, the wolves came out and everybody's <laughs> licking their lips and everything. And I just looked at I'm like, wow, she was amazing. But... What can I do with that? I'm still upset at what was going on. Right. So at the after party, she was with her girlfriends and all of them were saying, I'm going to go talk to her. And they're like, I was just like, yeah, good luck with that. I just don't see it. <laughs> Mind you, at the t <laughs> we were 15, 16 at the time. You can tell that they were older than us, at least by 18, 19, I would say. Okay. So to me, now you're shooting for the stars. Uh -huh. Now I get that you think you're all that. We will see how that works. She shot all of the four guys down. So I was just drinking and I was like, how'd that work for you? Oh, so you think that she's just going to come to you? I'm like, I don't even know why you would think that. So it almost became a dare. <laughs> well, why don't you go talk to her? Because they all wanted us to be all on the same page. Oh, yeah. I didn't go talk to her. She actually did something that she didn't do with all of the others. She separated herself from her friends and got on her own table. I took that as, oh, here's an opportunity. Right. So I literally just sat down next to her and just said, hello. Any guy can probably understand this, or a girl. That long walk you have to take from your friends across the room to the other person, and you know all eyes are on you, and you know what will happen if you are going to get destroyed, and the long walk of shame that you might have coming back. So I sat down, and I literally just said, hello. I meant it. I was just being friendly. Did you like the show? And right. she was cordial. You're being real. I was being quite real. Then she said, well, it's about time. Whoa. And I'm like, about time for what? I'm literally like stamped. About time? This person was beyond that. From At that point, she was another level up. You, okay. It was coming off of her in waves. Right. And she said, it was about time that you finally approached me. She was waiting, apparently, for ah, me. You're late. Yeah, I'm late. That's why she decided to separate herself to give me the opportunity to come over. Well, that night... It was just her and I in the room. Nobody else existed. We started talking. And we never talked spirituality at that point. We just got to know each other. Later on that night, she brung up spirituality and what she had just got into, which was Tantra, and what she was experiencing it. And I'm like, you know what? I've just started reading that myself. How about that? Mm -hmm. And she was saying, we both found it fascinating that you can do this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I took that as, well, I've been manifesting stuff since I can remember. So this is like just adding to what I can do. Right. And she was like, you've always done this? I'm like, yes. How do you think I got a band? How do you think I got all of this? There is a huge part of me that wants to, hey, I'm all that in a bucket of chips, baby. 
So I'm playing to that as I'm being real. So when found that I can do God it. God to be inside your head at that moment. <laughs> uh, you want to talk about the angels singing Cupid and uh, yeah. it was just like, it was just meant to be. So from that point on, I mean, I think we met around 11-ish. We talked till about four in the morning. Woo. And from that point on, our relationship was cemented. Mm. And we started practicing Tantra together. And from that, everything changed. And I do mean everything. All of the dreams that I ever had, all of the stuff that I truly had a desire for, all of a sudden just start coming true for both of us. She got her job in Elite. She started flying around. She's, her pay increased. I got all of the gear I wanted. I'm still with the band to a point, but now it's just a name only to fulfill the last part of the sets that we were supposed to do. So in your mind, you're in the zone. This is the way life is supposed to be. This is how it works, exactly. You couldn't understand why it doesn't work like this for everybody else. Right. Because on the flip side of that, all the pluses I was getting, the distance I was getting from my band and everything was still more, well, you think you all at now because you got hurt. So they were all making excuses for it. I'm like, believe what you want. I don't care. Mm. I now have this. I don't need you because you said you don't need me. Right. So the division was pretty much all. So there's still some heartbreak filtering out in there. Absolutely. It was being replaced very quickly by what was going on okay. here. At the same time, still learning about the esoteric and learning about Tantra and magic and all of those things in between. Now, at this point, numerology was now in our forte. So we were trying to get to learn each other. I'm going to do a quick use hindsight what you know now had you knew back then what did you miss <clears throat> this is drawn on that 40 years i'm talking about what i missed was the same thing i missed with my band i believe that we together were doing this that we had an understanding of what the other was saying and i assumed and we all know what happens when you assume that we were all on the same page. What I found out was there was a not a distrust, but a depression being built. And the depression that was being built was, I can't do what you do. And I don't And you didn't see it at the time. No, because you we were, papered over it how? Because of the things we were getting. You're getting this, then you're the one creating it. At least that's how I saw it. So, in other words, you compensated more without knowing you were compensating more. Exactly, because we were doing it together. So, I thought we literally were doing it together. I did not realize or even had an inkling. I was compensating more for what she could not bring to the table, where she was very cognizant that she couldn't do it. And the way that it came up was, I'm scared of who I am, but I'm being overwhelmed by the power that you are bringing Oblivious. Completely unconscious how you, the just you, you showing up in the room, you breathing, you farting and sneezing, you, without doing anything other than showing up in the room, you're completely unconscious how you're altering the dynamics. Right. Some people would call it you bringing your frame yep. in, into that reality. Right. And I thought that it was a co-creation. And no, it was me bringing in my yes. frame. She was just putting her little bit to it, which I assume was... The, the, the co-creating part. Which it wasn't. It was a codependent part. So you're setting yourself up for a major train wreck. Big time. Which I, without even knowing it. 
And that started the downward spiral into basically depression and being around people who are depressed. So your first love is setting up your first dark walk of the soul. Yes, basically. I needed her to talk to me. I needed to be there. I needed to basically infuse her with life, for lack of a better Completely word. unaware of the fact that no matter what you did for her, wasn't going to work. You thought you could help her out of it. Exactly. We've done it so many times before, do we not? We manifested all of this other stuff. Right. I just need her to get back to where I am. Plus, at the same time, all of the stuff that was going on with me. that Again, was... completely unaware of how you are alternating the reality, reconstructing it using your capacity. You thought it was a we, and it was really only an I. Exactly. You were completely unaware of that. Absolutely. Okay. So this thing was being done not only on her end, but it was also being done on mine. Right. So tower moments was just coming all the way across the board to the point that she just decided that one pivotal thing, and this is after my band had totally dissolved, and I didn't have a place to go or a pot to piss in. I want to break up. I think it should just be best that we be friends. And that was devastating. Literally a letdown. Like, there's nothing else I can do. I have to let you go. So a breakup to me was like tearing a piece of my heart out. Right. For the most part. Mm. That angst created everything else after the fact. That I created. You I, started your spiral, spiral down. Right. Everything from that end started to happen quite quickly. I got into a tussle with cousin, had to leave Seattle, didn't have another place to go to. Nobody was there for me at that point. I wasn't, I couldn't go back to my band members. My former band members at this point, two had been to jail. One was now a complete junkie. Oh, lovely. So we're now looking at the dark side of everything. Yeah. So what I wound up doing was moving in with my grandma. My grandma was my last solace. Uh-huh. And she saw that I was broken coming in and everything. Oh, yeah. So her thing was, well, you need to get back on track. You need to start doing the things to build yourself back up. And that meant going back to school, getting your diploma, getting a scholarship to college, all of the traditional stuff. Mind you, I had not been traditional at all up right. to that point. But she saw that as... Structure. Structure. Versus I was completely off the fucking rails, so to speak. Right. During the time that I got back, I got wind because I was still trying to reach. Ashley was going to give me money. Money never came because Ashley was dead. Ashley had overdosed. In wow. They found her in her room, completely unconscious, not moving. OD'd. Whew. And I wasn't there. So I felt like I did it. I felt that you I, thought you murdered your girlfriend. I, I thought I drove her to it based on the conversations that we had. Wow. Based on her saying, no, stay away. I can't have you do this. This is my pain. This is my thing to do it with. And I believe that I helped her suffocate because I wasn't there based on the stuff that I was doing. That put me in a, a continuing downward spiral of, okay, grandma, I'll do this. I'll put my nose to the grindstone. I'll do the so the traditional path became your, for lack of a better words, your lifesaver. You knew it really wasn't for you in the background. You knew, but at the same time, it was something to hold on to. Right. It was better than the alternative of what right. she had experienced. So yeah, I did it. 
even though I was didn't want to, I did it. That's why I became valedictorian, but who cared? I got a full ride scholarship, but so what? My girlfriend is gone. Right. I didn't have what I had before. I felt I was towing the line. Mm -hmm. But I was towing the line from what everybody else kept telling me. People don't get stuff like this or become valedictorian or get full ride scholarships. Well, I'm not most people, but this isn't living. This is just now checklist. Yeah. Do this. Do Filling this. in this ovals and hopefully passing yeah. the societal test. Exactly. Exactly. But it put me in a mode that I could not... Ah, the beginnings of the survival mode. Yeah, that I couldn't get out of. It became, well, this is what you have to do. Right. Okay. Considering what I went through, it became my escape, for lack of a better word. Right. And it became my norm. Path so, of least resistance. Exactly. Because if I was to do the other thing, there was still a huge part of me thinking, I'm just going to repeat the cycle again. That, what happened with her, reinforced everything else going forward. I went to school. I did all of that. Now, what do you mean by school? College. I graduated high school, and I went to music college. Now, see, ladies and gentlemen, again, Gil's being a little on the demure side. What college did you go to, Gil? I went to Columbia College. Thank you. Why are you hiding that piece of jewel? I look at it as mundane, where other people would look at it as... Yeah. Yes. Most people who say, I went to Columbia, he's like, eh, I went to Columbia, whatever. And, okay. And at Columbia, the same thing that happened when I was a kid started happening there. It mm. was like challenging the teachers about music theory or... Well, why I got to do this? Why has it got to be this? Why does this voicing have to do that? Why can't we take scratching? You were and... listening to your soul and they weren't. Right, exactly. So what wound up happening there was I became the problem student to the theory teacher, but I became the model student to the Department of Music. Ooh, even better. William Russo. And he understood where I was coming from. You're right. He himself was a bebop jazz musician, so he understood all of that stuff. Oh, you're right. This should be this. This should He's be He's got that. your nail. Right, exactly. But he was saying that you're already beyond this. You already got the theory down. I would suggest that you go west. You need to get your thing started. You're not really meant to be a teacher. Ah, uh, you're on the teacher path. And he's like, you're not built for this vernacular. You're built to... No. <laughs> you and academics. <laughs> yeah, right. Oil and gasoline. Anyway. Right, exactly. He deemed me, you're more like a Miles Davis type of guy. So you need to go do that. You're just going to waste your time here. At this point, I got with another person who wanted to do their own thing as well. And there was a lot of resistance with her too. But together we decided, yeah, I'm going to Hollywood. You can come along if you want. I really just, it's all on you at this point. I'm not dragging anybody else. She decided to come with. I went to Musicians Institute at this point. I learned bass, guitar, recording, the rest of the whole nine that I was going to get from Columbia. And that was with the goal of going directly into the music industry. I went through there, got with a management company because we were, I created a demo with my partner at the time. And the, the intent and the idea was to go shopping around, the whole music thing, do all of that. The management company I got with loved it. But the caveat was, we like everything that you put to the table. Uh-oh. You got to lose the singer, though. Uh-oh. So, went and told the singer. At what stage of the grieving process were you from your first partner on this? Um, It was pretty much I was at the tail end of it. 
You're getting out of it. I was getting out of it because now my focus was on getting out of the circle. Getting out of it genuinely or getting out of it mind-fuckingly? No, genuinely. Genuinely. And the way to do it was, all right, here are the lessons that I learned from this. Now I'm on the path of getting... Okay, all right, right just checking. Yeah, getting around. You didn't pancake it. No, not all right. No. But I had a partner. I had to tell a partner what they said. I think that did a number on her. She... Mm diminished that's the best way i know how to put it and in my opinion self-sabotage the rest of everything else Uh oh so that self-sabotage became more survival mode Mm -hmm. didn't go to do the showcase that they had said didn't want to do anything so now we're stuck because i now have to take on the burden of doing it all i couldn't do it because now money became a factor we didn't have any the money that i was betting on us to have was not there so now I have to go take remedial job to survive. So dreams now are putting on shelf because now this other person couldn't perceive or believe that to be the thing because they believe what this management company said. Even though I didn't understand why are you taking what they're saying? I can care less if they didn't like you. We are doing this. Believe in you that believes in me. And I will believe in you. So you're still you. trying to maintain your attachment and understanding of your mysticism is driving you your mysticism is telling you stay true to it but the real world quote unquote the ones that where you have enough money to go to the grocery store to buy that milk and eggnog mysticism at that point in time wasn't doing it financially no not at all in hindsight it was because of the resistance that was there that i was creating to everything else because of this other person. I was trying to pour so much into them to try to bring them up. It was at the expense of everything else that was going on. Right. So I diminished myself. You put a basket over your light. Exactly. Okay. I put shade on it. There. All right. And that shade caused things to become more exasperated. Okay. And that lasted for a very long time. Ego came into place. I'm going to get through this. We are going to get out of this. You're going to push that boulder up the hill even if it crushes you. God exactly. damn it. <laughs> exactly. And my tenacity to do things like that. Oh, God. Again, here we go. Exasperated the entire process. I became my worst enemy. Not knowing it at the at time. At the time. Not knowing it. I'm still thinking I'm doing the same thing I've been doing before. But ego being as crafty as it is at that point took over. Mm. That lasted for about 14 years. 14 years. The lobster in the pot was being parboiled and you didn't even know it. Absolutely not. Now, the way I got out of it was, as before, the relationships ended. Didn't want to do it anymore. This is too hard. I just want to exist in peace. I can't be living. You want to be a mundane. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, we parted. At the point of departure, I felt... Gee, I'm back where I was in 89. Cycle number X. Yeah, exactly. Ramping up again. What do I do coming up? Where am I? I've literally found myself at this point in, I wouldn't call it a negative space, but neutral. I did not know where the next plateau was going to be. How do I get out of the cycle? What wound up happening was, all right, I met somebody else that I had an attraction to. And fell in love with. And 
I was going off where we were going to go. She, um, at the time, was in the military and wanted to, was stationed in Hawaii. So she said, yeah, we can get married, but the caveat is we got to move to Hawaii. Oh, pity. Well, you know what? You twist my arm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. If I have, have to. to. If that's where it has to go, then that's where it has to go. So unknowingly, unconsciously, I had surrendered everything. Found myself in Hawaii. New world, new structure, new everything. Partnership with somebody who I thought understood. And found out very quickly. But this one was the fastest of them all. Where one took, oh, five years. <laughs> one took 14. This took about five months. Ooh. To find out, oh, this is not going to work at all. At, at all. Ouch. And that thing just deteriorated fast. I would describe it as two people trying to drive the car at the same time. No, oh, great. And mm -hmm. having two different epistemologies, outlooks of life on how to do things. It drove the point home of where I was and what I did need to do. From my perspective, going in hindsight, all things serve our evolution, including the good and the bad. Oh, yeah. And the bad of what I was finding through my suffering was this ain't it. This is so not it. So if this ain't it, then what is? And what I have found with myself is I had become, for lack of a better word, Mr. Spock. Mm. I was all object. I was all logic, all reason, because I was so hurt by all of the spirituality, I cut myself off from it. It's like you've been let down by something you thought could not let you down. So, screw it all. Right. It will only lead it's me... a bunch of woo-woo bullshit. Right. So, I let it go. And I became Mr. Spock. Everything was logic and reason. <laughs> so now your ethereal world's going, you think you can let this go? Okay. <laughs> the white gloves came out. Okay, we'll get into that a little later. Right. So what I found out quickly with that was it just exasperated in the, my marriage. That's how it came out. This person said that I was best basically being an asshole and that's I was evil and mean and all and she didn't want to be a part of it. And I'm like, um, I'm only getting what I'm given. <laughs> and that led to the divorce. At the time of the divorce, a very strange thing happened. I started to become, the best way that I can describe it was a kundalini awakening. Mm. I literally woke up and I kept waking up in one month, bathed in sweat mm -hmm. at three o'clock every single night for a month. And I couldn't figure out what the hell is wrong with me. What's going on? It had to be a medical reason that I, I'm on an island. Is there some type of tropical disease that I caught or whatever? Something was happening. And I went to the doctor. Doctor didn't know. I, I, I had um, sciatica. I couldn't sit properly. Everything just started ailing on me. And it wasn't until I understood and start seeing certain things and embracing what had came before that I realized I was having a reawakening. That something higher than... A restart. A restart. Gil, wake up. Very, very gently that this is what was coming through. Yeah, it is gentle. You didn't have a stroke. You didn't have a heart attack. <laughs> no, I just had... Didn't break your leg. No, I was just popping sweat and having sciatic pain. So it wasn't bad, but yeah, it was light. I tussled with it. I'll be the first person to admit it. I fought with it. Well, what do you want? Why are you coming to me? The only thing you, you've ever brought me is... Pain and suffering. Yeah. And then the realization, no, they didn't do that. You did that. 
Mm -hmm. And the slap in the face. <laughs> That's the best way I can put it. Because it was then at that penultimate moment when I'm literally in front of the toilet ready to just throw up because I'm sweating for the umpteen time. I start feeling what can only be described as hot maple going down my back. Mm. And me finally saying, okay, this is it. I open myself up to my higher self. I surrendered completely. I was beat down at that point. Yeah. I, I give up. It was like, say uncle, say uncle. <laughs> <laughs> so uncle was said at the moment. I literally mean the moment that happened. Sweats were gone. Pain was gone. Everything was quiet. It was, you could hear a pin drop. It's like it didn't exist. It's like everything that happened that month, all of a sudden, it was just like... Felt like you had a, a cleansing. Yeah. I was like, I didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> I was flummoxed. You're waiting for the other shoe to yeah, drop. Yeah, I was waiting for the other shoe to drop. Even My wife came in and was like, are you okay? I'm like, I smiled. I'm like, I feel great. She looked at me with such suspicion, like, what are you on? Because I was just in la-la land. I was that much at peace. I found my re-existence of being where I was. And that lasted for about a week. I literally, Gil, you want to take out the garbage? Sure. What else do you want? There was no resistance anymore. Right. And it really rankled her because she was used to the fight. There she was, needed the fight because that needed, was the form of connection. Now there wasn't. I was just as zen as zen can be. All things were good. Oh, the light bill? Here you go. Here's the money for the light bill. Oh, you need me to go to the store? Sure. What else did you want? It was. I was so compliant because I was zoning. I was in utter zen. And I hadn't been that way for decades. Mm -hmm. I slowly started to come out of that into a more, I'd say... 3D reality. Yeah, 3D reality. <laughs> we remained friends after, after a time of existence. But I found myself, all right, this restart, I'm back on the path. Time to get back to where I was. Now, mind you, even at this point, I'm still in survival mode. I'm still coming out of it. So there is still reticent on, I got to do this, but I still got to survive. Not understanding, just do this and you come, <laughs> you won't survive anymore. You don't, you don't have to be in the survival mode type of thing anymore. But I wrestled with that for another three years, which created some other set of circumstances where I found myself in situations where I was living, where I was being taken advantage of and did not realize it. Or And seeing yet another cycle of being used, queuing up one more time. On this one, I was now cognizant of, I can't do this again. I put out the word and the call like I used to do. I need to get out of this space. I need to get into my zone again and get centered. And I put the call out literally in a, for all intents and purposes to the world. I did it in the form of an email, but I also prayed about it. I need to be out of this. I need to be in this space. And fortunately, that's what I got. I got that in the form of the person who was now interviewing me now. So he helped me to get that. And also through our conversations, helped me to understand the rest of where I needed a nudge and a nuance to get back on the path. And that was the thing that was like, oh, got it. So this is where I earned. And I don't know if any of you guys can understand that. But when you realize the fact of what was 
you needed a subtle tweak on something. The ass kicking you give yourself. That's <laughs> that's what I was giving to myself. I was like, you mean I could have did this shit all this time? Oh my God. Dorothy, <laughs> you're going to click your heels <laughs> years ago. Exactly. Exactly. All the way up until last year, people. It was the probably the penultimate test of the penultimate test of the penultimate test of everything that had come before. Because... I can truly tell you without, I will probably go more into this going further, but ramping up another relationship book ended the thing that happened with the very first relationship manifesting in the same way, doing the same thing I did all the way back when I was a teen that ultimately cultivatedly led to that person's leaving this mortal coil. I couldn't have written the script consciously. Well, you did, Blanche. You did. But <laughs> well, yeah, I did. I was flummoxed. I couldn't believe it. Literally? Li I mean, literally. Mm -hmm. uh, it was, how am I experiencing the same thing after all of these years again? So, I took that as what it was. Done. I literally had... I, a vision planting a flag in the ground with a, a white flag. Surrender. Yeah. <laughs> I give up. I, and your I, higher selves are like, about fucking time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was literally the closing of a huge big chapter of my life. Mind you, this person died that I was with, that I was in love with, three days after my 50th birthday. You don't get markers like that every day. And that was a huge one. And literally where I got the slap before for my reawakening, this was sort of like, all right, you, now it's time to step, step into step your... Step up. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that was the way to do it. That was really a kick in the pants from there. And now, from that point, is what brings me to where I am now. Cognizant, completely charged of all of the things that I created and taking ownership of it. Understanding that I was the one that created... The people, the surroundings, everything. That it became what it became. Not surrendering to who I truly was. And then having that be a reflection of the things coming toward me. I was just getting what I was. People who kind of, sort of were about it, who were marred in it. it that's all that I was getting. So I have to let that go. Yep. And that is what brings me to where we are now. Well, reminding everyone listening, when we started this little journey, we said 90 years. We just covered 40 of them. <laughs> exactly. And that was a hike. Just even going back over that, I'm just like, did I do that? He's ready for a nap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A hot toddy. <laughs> Once again, I'm Gil Rowland. As we wrap up the first of a three-part podcast series to Large Shot Soul Talk, what part of my story surprised you? How do you feel about me being so transparent about highly personal stuff spanning some 40-odd years? Before we get to part two of this three-part series where I interview Soul, be sure to click the appropriate follow or subscribe button to keep up with us. After following or subscribing to our Soul Talk, be sure to visit our site at bit.ly forward slash O-S-T-R-A-D-I-O. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash O-S-T radio. Our site is a one-stop shop of clickable links to on-demand audios and videos. 
All our podcasts are downloadable, so download and listen at any time, anywhere. Catch you next week. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.